Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. So I'm super, super excited to have Megan join us. Um, she's a really diverse background when it comes to dogs. And uh, in my opinion, she is one of the coolest packs of dogs out there. I love her on Facebook. I don't know if you have other social media. Do you do Instagram and all that? I do stuff? a little bit of Instagram, but uh, I'm trying to post there more. But Facebook's kind of a habit. It's been my way to connect with my family when I was on the other side of the country. So it's more of my habit, but a little bit on Instagram. So I guess you should share with everyone how many dogs you actually have. <laughs> you usually when people ask me this question I'm like I have a lot um but uh I'll, I have 13 dogs actually all together ranging in age from 10 months up to who's my oldest uh 13 and a half and yeah it's it's mostly because I am able to I have a supportive husband who puts up with me and actually he's quite invested in in the the dogs the dogs and the stuff that i do with them is very supportive and we usually live in a place that is easy to have this many dogs and so do you want to describe kind of like um where you started your multi-dog lifestyle and how it's evolved because that's kind of interesting too sure it certainly wasn't planned and it's definitely evolution is how i've come to this point um i started you know probably very similar to you ladies super keen 20 year old obsessed with my dogs just wanting to do stuff with my dog all the time i started with a border terrier um in my 20s probably had no business owning a dog at that age and being as broke as i was but i loved <laughs> her and i did everything i could to support her and do fun things um i my parents they had dogs and showed them and that sort of thing so and i was a 4-h kid so animals in general horses have been a part of my life from the beginning but dogs have always been a passion and I just was so dedicated to my dog Lexi my first one that I just did everything for her I was just like a sponge I wanted to learn about everything training etc um, back then the very beginning um, when I was first learning about dogs was very corporal style training and it didn't work for for my dog i didn't like kind of be, being rough with her as the, i was taught by the uppers you know the, the people who knew what they were doing um thankfully shortly after that it changed and positive style training sort of came about and that's when myself and my dog really connected and the obsession became even more um so yeah, I basically worked my butt off in my 20s to support her. I really got into dog sports, dabbled a little bit in dog shows, but I loved the positivity of dog sports. So mostly fly ball is where I began and uh, just love the barking and the loudness and the joy and you could feel the energy of the happiness of the dogs. And so <laughs> I was living in toronto believe it or not i moved to toronto trying to make more money and started was working at a vet hospital in nova scotia for you know this much and then i moved to toronto and worked at a vet hospital for a dollar more an hour so i certainly didn't get myself the dream job i wanted but while i was there i decided it was a brilliant idea to acquire two new dogs and uh, two jack russells if you can imagine <laughs> in an apartment in downtown Toronto with my sister and her two cats. Um, but thankfully, the, those three were wild, really intense dogs. They were, and Jade, you know, you knew Lexi and Moose and Mango. They were very good dogs, like very, very good. It really could have gone in a different direction if they weren't as good as they were, but they didn't want to cause trouble. They really loved each other and... Um, that's kind of where I started with three. I, I always seem to have a lot of dogs in the situation that I am in. So no, you know, 20 year old has any business having three terriers in a downtown apartment. But I, I made it work. I worked my butt off and, and you know, things happen. I moved to Alberta and um, met my husband there. 
I got another Border Terrier, <laughs> kind of got into the showing thing and did pretty good. And then I still loved my sports. I thought I'd try a different breed. I got my first Border Collie, who is currently my oldest dog, Veda, who is an angel on earth. And she's absolute perfection. And, um, you know, I had so much fun with her and still do, laying over there snoozing away. And, yeah, I, I just showed me that I can love other breeds as well, you know, and, and they really teach me a lot as well. Um, I got an interest in training, teaching other people, mostly actually because of Jade encouraging me to to try it because I was just sort of doing my own thing. And uh, thankfully, because of her, I discovered it's something I really love to do as well and, and I enjoy. And yeah, then I've sort of been focusing a lot on my um, Border Terriers, which are just, you know, biased. I love all my dogs, but the Borders are just such easy, fun, um, great little breed of dog. And I happen to have some really nice ones and I've been showing them and doing a little bit of breeding. Um, somehow along the way, I also picked up an Australian Shepherd and a Chihuahua, who is the coolest little dude. And most recently, and I still don't know how this happened, but I, <laughs> a French Bulldog puppy <laughs> that is the most hilarious creature I have ever experienced in my life. Again, zero interest in the breed, but I do a bit of um, fostering. And I have an interest in neonatal support fostering etc because a couple years ago i had a litter of puppies born and one had a cleft palate and i had no idea what to do with this i didn't even know she had a cleft palate so i i had to learn i had to figure out what to do and there was not a lot of support to help me and i figured it out and you know she did she's thrived she it was an amazing little thing and I'd like to help other breeders who are in the position that I was in to because it's scary and when you breed you your heart is involved very very much so I help out breeders who kind of get in that position now mind you uh, then people start to say oh you help little babies and in this case with Edna my French bulldog she came to me because <clears throat> the entire litter aspirated and they were all had pneumonia and I tried to save three of them and unfortunately by the time they got to me um, and I'm pretty good like I have saved some really almost dead puppies and brought them back and they did great but uh, two of them I couldn't and Edna I could and the situation happened that her breeder had some things happen they asked me to keep her for a while till he was available and then I fell in love, and that was the end of that. So now Edna <laughs> is mine, and it's just an absolute riot. So that is how I ended up with 13 dogs, and uh, I absolutely adore it. I am so fortunate. I know it's not for everyone, but I am pretty lucky lady. So with the 13, do you keep them separated? Are they all together? How does your household work with that many dogs and that many breeds and that many sizes and ages? Sure. Um, I All my dogs are besties. They all get along. I don't have to do any crate and rotate as uh, you know some people have to do. I'm very, very lucky in that way. And I was thinking about this because I knew that this was going to be a question that came up. I think that there's a couple reasons why, because I know that this is not normal. I fully uh, admit it. And like for anybody who follows my, my social media, you see them all the time, just like laying on each other and, and, you know, hanging out and sometimes tugging together and it never turns into anything negative. And I was trying to think about why, because they're all different breeds and they're all different and even those that are the same breeds, they're from different lines. And um, so what I think is it's a combination of a couple of things. I do think it has a lot to start out with my first dog, Lexi. She was just so patient and so chill and so like just easygoing. And I feel like she really did 
sort of set this standard and set this sort of vibe for the house where when my two jacks came along and they were kind of rangy and crazy like she never pummeled them she would just be like you're annoying i'm gonna i'm gonna go over here for a little bit or if if i felt like they were being too much for her i would distract them why don't you come over here and do this thing um so and i i really feel like it was has been passed down from dog to dog this patience this um this packness, this like they're together, they're a, they're a unit, as opposed to I'm going to teach you lessons and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm lucky because I know that's the way that it goes sometimes. Have Have you always brought home puppies or have you brought home adult dogs? I have brought home a couple of adult dogs. So let me go through my head here. Rowan, my Australian Shepherd, was uh, 18 months old when she came to me. And uh, she's just the best. She, she's, I, I don't know how I locked out to have such an awesome girl. And she just walked in. She's like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's it like they all did, actually. My Chihuahua, he was six months old. It's still, a, it's not like an eight-week-old. There's definitely a difference there. Same thing. This tiny little, he's four pounds now. So he was just a, a, a mite little thing when he came. And he was just like, cool, look at all these dogs. No fear. And trim who is um, a border collie uh, she was seven months old and like she ran with a pack of border collies she just sort of was like in a herd um she came to me because there was some grumpiness within that pack and the breeder didn't really want she was so sweet and she didn't want her sort of becoming sour and she came here same thing she flew across the country and she walked in she's like wow look at all these great dogs so let see who else. No, everybody else were, were puppies and or you know born here. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that plays a part in it. Bringing home the adults you knew already were social, um, and then raising puppies. And that I, my first border collie was raised by my golden retriever, who was amazing. My mastiff was raised by my golden retriever, who was amazing. And then I started bringing home adult dogs with behavior concerns. And I don't regret bringing home those dogs, but I think that bringing them home made things harder. I might actually get a golden retriever puppy or spaniel puppy to help kind of reset that that cool vibe because mm -hmm. my Eskimo does not help. <laughs> <laughs> he does not help with the cool chill vibe that I mm -hmm. used to have. <laughs> right. When you breed your dogs, do you do separation then with the litters and with the mamas? So, yeah, I, I have. I'm in a new place this year. So I've moved recently from Alberta back to Nova Scotia. And I I had some puppies sort of before I moved into this house last year, which was super interesting. <laughs> Jade got to see all of that. That was because uh, I actually had a litter of border collies and I was like, wow I don't know how people do that border carriers are just so easy and fun um so generally how I do it and again this crew has seen lots of puppies and not only just puppies but when I was in um Alberta I was doing boarding in my home as well and so I had a constant stream of different dogs coming through mind you these were all vetted dogs who are I knew them or they they were you know able to come because they were a social easygoing breed i didn't really want to bring anything in that would upset my home but uh, yeah so with puppies they start off in a different room of course until they're i'd say about three or four weeks old and then i bring them in and basically set them up in the middle of everything uh, so all the action all of the dogs playing everything on the go they are literally in the middle of it from the time they're four weeks old until they're well actually yeah once they hit about six seven weeks then they start running with my crew meaning they're out with them they're socializing with all of my dogs all of them are great with puppies they're all used to it you know a couple of the older ones aren't as excited about them anymore so <laughs> but they're not like grumpy about it they're just like quietly will walk off and and avoid that's one really great thing that I've noticed about my crew is if they're not terribly happy about something they'll they'll know that one I'll sort of change the situation or if I'm not right there they'll just walk away so yeah the puppies get to be just a part of my big friendly pack and 
not that I've been breeding it a long time or have had a ton of litters, but I have been able to see how these puppies have turned out over the years. And I'm pretty proud that they are very social, very go with the flow, very happy. And I, I like to think that a lot of it has to do with the foundation of being around other dogs that they got here. Mm -hmm. I, well, I do see it move along. Yeah. I, a border terrier is on my list. And every time I mention it, people are like, you need to talk to Megan. <laughs> she has the best dogs. Um, it won't be anytime, even remotely soon yeah. that I want one, but it's definitely on my list for my next small dog. They're pretty um, fine. They're really cool little dogs. Yeah. I think I love, you've said, mentioned a couple of times about how your dogs know you'll step in if things get, um, uncomfortable for them and I think that's so key and that's why a lot of dog trainers can have more success maybe than um, pet people who might not see those issues really early and if you see them early and can intervene and give the dogs appropriate alternatives or an out um, and you don't end up with the big problems that we sometimes get called for at a home where the dogs are now a year or eight months and they've been terrorizing the one dog or the the pack for a while and um as dog trainers maybe we see earlier when to step in and help absolutely i see that happen a lot you know and i think people are uh, they are just lacking confidence on is this normal is this allowed is i don't and then they don't some people just don't want to be mean right they mm -hmm. don't want to be the mean one to use the grumpy voice and you know and i mean it's just often a matter of like hey hey you know hey look yeah. at me stop you know you don't even have to be anything more than a bit of a distraction and then deter them over here to do something else. But it's a, maybe just, you're, I agree, they don't recognize it a lot of times or might think that it's normal behavior when, um, you know, it's not, It's it could be rude and it could turn into something, you know, mm -hmm. dogs have opinions and they remember stuff. And and if, if it continues on, it can turn into something, you know, bigger down the road yeah. mm. I, I um hear a lot where people think the dogs will just sort it out on them their own and we of course know that that's not necessarily the case <laughs> um, you can let them sort out some things on their own but when to step in that if you're not sure at home listeners you know ask for help if you're not sure when to step in because we're we're experienced in that we can help you set them up for well success <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Um, a lot of old school ways of training still sort of linger and the whole let them work it out, let it sort it out thing, I think is not very helpful. And, you know, and like I say, there are some things that are totally fine, but it's it's when they're sorting out the big things and that's when it, things can really go sideways in the household and that's where problems can start. That might turn into a management, a crate and rotate. You know, nobody, it happens and that's fine, but nobody really wants that. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot more work and it's the dogs that are uh, in the other room, you know, they're missing out a bit. So if you can sort of nip that before it turns into that, it's, it's definitely worthwhile asking a professional their opinion and how to deal with it. So Megan, with the size difference you have, I'm thinking of Splinter specifically, <laughs> the Chihuahua. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever have issues where some of your puppies will be too rough with him? Because even the Border Terrier puppies are probably bigger than him pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a management thing. Um, I've had, you know, I mostly breed the Border Terriers. I did have one litter of Border Collies and like he, and as you know, Splinter, there's no dog in the house that loves the puppies more than Splinter. Like he just is obsessed with them, especially when they're really little and he just plays with them so beautifully. But yes, once they get a little bit bigger, they're, I mean, they don't even have to be that old to be bigger than him. He's like four pounds and um, he is okay with opening a wee little Chihuahua can of whoop ass and, you know, telling them off in just such a perfect way that, it is hilarious. But, and again, I'm supervising, I'm there. 
And I think he secretly enjoys it a little bit, being a little bit bossier to these chihuahuas, to these, sorry, to the, to the border puppies, the border terrier puppies. Feels good to him. He's very appropriate. And they learn at that age to not be rough with him like they are with each other. Um, when they get a little older, those lessons stay in them. And so, again, when they're running with my pack at six, seven, eight, nine weeks, he's right, right there with them and he'll often in, engage. Um, and if they're too much, he'll leave or they'll be like, oh, I wanted to play with him, but he went away. And they do learn that if they're too rough, the, the one that they want to play with is going to go away. So it's very interesting. It's almost like a positive style training by my little chihuahua. It's like, nope, you don't get to play with me if you're too rough. And they learn. They're so smart. They, they know the body language thing. For the, for the rest of the pack, Splinter has run with them since he came here. Um, he, he is very much not typical chihuahua-like because I treat him like a regular dog. Like, not that he's ever wanted to be a stereotypical chihuahua, but everyone says, why is he like this? And it's because he's, I treat him like the rest of them. And so that's why the rules are the same. You're not allowed to, you know, be a jerk or whatever. <laughs> um, I only ever had one incident where his size, uh, something happened. Um, my dogs love to run out the door in the summer, you know, first thing in the morning. And he, I think, got underneath and got caught up in the crew of the dogs all running out. And I think he bonked his head on something, whether it was the ground or one of the posts of the steps going downstairs. And so he had a little wee little cone head. And, <laughs> um, and so that was sort of a wake up call for me that I need to just keep an eye where he is when I do things like open the door and you know I do have to manage them a bit I have trim my border collies quite intense and you know so I have to make sure she's over there when I let splinter out and let him get out of the way before I let trim out so it's just a little bit of management but um I as you probably know to Jade having a chihuahua they kind of know to stay out of the way right they they're, it's in them. It's like a, a survival thing. So uh, they just, they're good at, at looking after themselves as well. I think yours was smarter than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, mine, sometimes we get right in there. My oh. dachshund is a little bit better. She actually keeps a really good space bubble from the Aussies, especially when they get going. But uh Remo, though, I got him at, oh, it was an old dog, and yeah. he was going blind and deaf, so I had to protect him a lot more, but, I mean, it's not that hard to protect a chihuahua, you pick them up. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Yeah>. Fine. <laughs> and I wonder if that is because your dachshund, Frankie Pickles, is raised with the big dogs, and learned early how to do that, whereas Remo maybe didn't live with a pack of Aussies before you got him. You know, and he didn't yeah. maybe learn that he needed to watch over his little bubble to stay safe. <laughs> well, Remo lived with a Great Dane before I got him. Oh. So one of the reasons I adopted him is he had lived in a home with two other dogs and one of them was a large dog. Frankie Pickles came from a dachshund breeder that only had miniature dachshunds. So I actually think the fact that she was a little overwhelmed by the bigger dogs at first created that awareness. Like, it's kind of like reverse. Like, mm -hmm. it was almost like, oh, they're novel, but because they're so crazy, I'm just going to watch them. <laughs> and now she knows if she plays about a foot away from them while they're wrestling, she'll <laughs> run around that circle and <laughs> they won't get her. The, the Aussies, because they were raised around little dogs, like all of them from puppyhood too, they are actually more aware than... I would say a dog that I just brought in that hadn't had that exposure either. Mm -hmm. So it's like a good part of a breeding program to have small dogs, I guess. I experienced that a little bit with Rowan actually, because Rowan was almost two when she came here and like typical Aussie, they're like, boom, boom. you know, they were very body use their bodies when they run and play. And I just remember when I first got her and I'd let, I had a big fenced in acreage and, 
I would open the door and they'd all run out and they'd all the terriers would be flying because Rowan would just be running <laughs> over them. And whereas my border collie knew to stay away from, you know, to avoid them, but Rowan just was like a plow right through the middle and terriers were flying everywhere. So it took a bit for her to like start to be thoughtful about where she was slamming her body and we're good now, but kind of the <laughs> so you yeah. just have the two bigger dogs the aussie and the border collie and the rest uh, are like under 25s two border collies and one aussie so three uh, bigger dogs bunch of border terriers yeah and a frenchie and a chihuahua and how old is your frenchie now she just turned one <laughs> oh and i'll tell you i had a big like I've had a lot of breeds, but a Frenchie really threw me, like not threw me. I just wasn't expecting her to be as much as she was because she was a lot, uh, a lot of things that I've never had to deal with with my pack before, like guarding. Uh, this is a new one. Um, a lot of emotion right at the front. Like <laughs> when I would have my boarding dogs coming through and Edna, this tiny little thing, she would just come flying at them and just like, like a cannonball of Frenchy puppiness and just plow into them. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like she didn't even slow down. Like she didn't, most dogs come up to each other and like, oh, who are you? There was none of that. It was 100% emotion. And uh, so, yeah, I had to, re I, it was a big realization for me that I might have to manage her a little bit more and, uh, you know, like I say, the guarding thing, it, it's very much under control, but it's a constant, I have to keep an eye, you know, and remind yeah. her. She's very soft at heart. So when I do remind her, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But it's, again, her emotions, whatever emotion she's having, she acts on it right away. So yeah. I, I have to say, I'm very proud of her. There's been a few times I, I catch, you know, and I think I posted this, Jade, you might have seen it, where somebody was chewing a bone and she was right there watching. And my dogs are not guardy. They're like, sure, you want to watch me chew this bone really close? I don't care. <laughs> and she's just like right there. And she's not guarding it. She's being polite. She's watching. She wants it. But she is, she's learned to control her emotions. And I'm very proud of her. That's wonderful. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. Oh, is, it, right. is it just food? like high value food items that she guards or no it's actually or? mostly me it's me ah. yeah that's her main guard thing she she's and it's interesting she's really learned how to manage her emotions and manage the situation so because she's velcro i mean i've raised her since she was about five days old so we've been through a lot together and so now when she's on my lap which, which is anytime i sit down um the rule is if you think about guarding me you're off my lap it's simple as that so my dogs all learn to share as if you ever see pictures it's usually a pile on of all the dogs on me so Edna has learned now that if she has that instant like emotion of oh, I don't want you near my mom so instead of guarding now she started licking the other dogs and it just like calms every like it just calms her like she licks their face, she licks their ears. And, you know, if the dog doesn't want to be licked, then they'll leave. Or if they like it, they'll stay. So, and that's something she sort of came up with on her own. It's kind of interesting. And everybody, I can feel the vibe. It's nice and relaxed. And she's just sort of, of getting over it. So, yeah, me mostly, occasionally high value things. Um, but again, the vibe in my house is so not guardy that it's only sort of a, a minuscule moment that she has that thought and then often it just goes away. That's lovely. What a nice place for a Frenchie to grow up. It's pretty cool. Like I say, it's, uh, Frenchies are not a breed that I was familiar with at all, except for, you know, cute little ones that came through my class. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I've got to say I'm learning a lot. And I think that's what's great about having multiple breeds too, is you really do learn a lot about the individual like things about these breeds and I can take that I can apply it to my other dogs I can apply it in my classes I've had a lot of good feedback when I taught um, from people who had you know breeds like one person in particular had uh, Italian greyhounds and she was like really just grateful that I was 
understanding of her breed. Not that I have them, but I get toy dogs. Like I, I understand them. So she was really thankful that I understood like the little things about her dogs, you know, tiny little, small little dog in a big room full of other dogs. Uh, it definitely helps in training and raising my own dogs. So you've had a variety of ages and I know some of your dogs, especially as they've gotten older, have had medical issues. How do you manage that in the household with the other dogs? Um, you know, I feel like it's just the same as if anything happens to anyone that's not so great. You just learn to to deal with it. I mean, you just go with it. So, for example, the the, the issues that I've had with my dogs were mostly like dementia and you know my old dogs my my old ones as they got old and they got old like they were all 16 plus when in the end and you know for a lot of them they lost a lot of like their mobility and their bladder and so i you know my the rest of my crew didn't act any differently towards them they learned just as i was talking about like with splinter ignoring dogs that were you know, he didn't want around them. That's what would happen with my senior dogs. They didn't interact with the rest. And so they're like, okay, we'll leave you alone because I got some more fun ones over here to play with. So they all just sort of uh, existed together. The The playful ones would do their things and the old ones would do their things. And there was no, you know, nobody bothered anybody. There's a lot of work for me, you know, but I mean, I would do it forever if that's what they needed so a lot of carrying up and down the stairs and keeping the mop bucket handy um but yeah there besides more work for me and laundry etc changing mop buckets i wouldn't say that there was a lot of difference um the other medical issue that i do have in my home is my australian shepherd has epilepsy and if as you can imagine a household of terriers and a dog that could at any time have a seizure, um, you know, that's sort of a potential recipe for something bad happening, just the prey drive, it's in a dog, in a vulnerable thing. But um, again, my dogs are just such a pack and they're just very, very close that the occasional time that Rowan does have a seizure, um, nobody has tried to do anything. They're all just, the energy goes up, yes, but they look to me what do we do? They don't take it upon themselves to do something. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? And I say, let's go outside of this room, <laughs> you know, and they all run outside because they're like, thank goodness, she told us what to do. The door is closed and then I can deal with Rowan. Thankfully, that doesn't happen very often. And I am grateful and I do know that that would not be the case for most people. But because I think I'm consistently the one who has the answers for my crew that their immediate you know thing is like she'll tell us what to do they want the guidance and and so yeah i've been able to keep roman safe that way that's wonderful you're such a hands-on involved person with your crew what about when you go out if you and your husband are both away what does the household look like when you're both away when the dogs are home alone if you went out without your dogs yeah um so i have this house that I bought, I'm just so thrilled with it. It's, you know, nothing special, but there's just some weird things about it that just made me think like this house was supposed to be mine. <laughs> there is, I have like a, it's like the family room. There's like the, the living room and then a family room that has the double doors that go to the backyard. And I thought this is going to be just such a perfect room for the dogs. Like I can have their crates here, you know. And when I set up my crates, all 10 of them, which I use, ten, I use the crates for the small dogs, the big dogs, I, they don't have any. Um, they fit in this nook, like the nook was built for 10 crates. Oh. And it was exactly how many crates I need. It was the craziest thing. So uh, <laughs> when I go out, all of my terriers and uh, the Chihuahua and the Frenchie, they all go into their crates. They absolutely love their crates. It's their, their it's where they get fed. That's where they are when I need some downtime, you know, or the ones that sleep in the crates, that's where they sleep at nighttime. Um, so yes, always trust me, I have learned my lesson. How many times I've been like, oh, I'm gonna give them a try. Don't even buy, it. it's not worth it. You, they're never 
going to be good while you're gone terriers anyway maybe one but you just can't have and just for my own peace of mind too no matter how much of an angel my old cactus uh, border terrier is she 100% is going to find something to get into when I'm not watching her so crates for their safety um, I have wire crates I feel like they like being side by side in the company everybody has their own opinions on the type um, the herdy dogs they stay in the dog room and because Veda is perfect she can be wherever she wants in the house because she's <laughs> <laughs> so that's where they are when uh, when we go out. I don't worry at all. Like I know they're safe and I know they're content. They love their crates. Mm -hmm. I've made it a very positive place for them. And they're they're stacked. So I have five on the bottom and five on the top. And as soon as I, they always get a cookie, you know, for going in. And as soon as I'm grabbing, they're all hopping in. They're like, yes, cookie time in our crates and then nap time. So I love that. And that's likely part of why you have such success with so many dogs together is because when you aren't there to help when things start to go sideways they don't have the opportunity to bug the old dog or to start scrapping or you know if your um ozzy had a seizure that would that would be a big worry that Absolutely. You know, bunch of yeah. terriers um unsupervised and I, I also think that's a part of dog life with multiple dogs that pet regular pet owners that aren't professional dog trainers kind of struggle with. They don't want to, they feel like it's mean to put their dogs yeah. away. And for me, I, I have four dogs and I don't trust my younger two together unsupervised. They're great if I'm home, but you know, I just don't think so. <laughs> Something could happen there. So I don't create them when I'm gone, but my small dog is either um, on the deck, he has this cover there that he likes to guard the property, or he's in my bedroom. And that that separation when you're not there, just in case, um, mm -hmm. is so important to make sure that we don't end up with a big mistake. Mm -hmm. And gives you the peace of mind too. Like, it, oh yeah, oh, the, just worrying about them is just then you just can't enjoy your time. So if you know they're somewhere safe, they're somewhere that they're happy to be you can enjoy your time away and they're just going to snooze away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The best way. And, and I agree. There's so many pet people and puppy people would come through my classes that just, you know, gasp, you know, clutch their pearls, oh, crate. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, there's a lot of people that you can explain the positive reasons why. And then once, and, and and show them how to do it in a positive way. I think the other thing is they just put them in and expect them to be perfectly happy about it. So if they if you can guide them in a how to do it and make it fun and make it a positive place for their dogs, um, it, it doesn't take long for them to realize how valuable a crate actually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean I worked at vet hospitals for years too back in the day, and you know I can't tell you how many. Oh, it was heartbreaking for all of us at the clinic to see these dogs just completely terrified of being in a crate because they had never been in one or their experiences in one were negative. Mm -hmm. And then the ones, the dogs that would come in that had crates and loved their crates, oh, they would just be like, thank goodness, here's my crate. Yeah. I am somewhere, I'm good. And it just, it was like night and day. So it's one of the most valuable things you can do with your dog. So Megan? You have in intact male and intact females. Is that correct? I have, this yes, correctly? I have two intact males and or intact females. Yes. Okay. So you know where I'm going with this. Yes. Six. What do you do with heat cycles? <laughs> so uh, I didn't have boys for the longest time, mostly because, well, I had moose, but he was a lot of a, because I had moose and mango, my two Jack Russells. Um, like 16 years ago and I went through like one or two heat cycles and I was like I am never having a boy again done you know because he was just absolutely he wouldn't eat he wouldn't then I learned that not all boys were like male intact Jack Russell's uh, got splinter <laughs> he was a sweet little guy neutered um, and then I decided one time to I heard about Bam Bam and ended up, I'm going to give this a go. And I used to babysit a couple of dogs that were intact males, Vladdy and Felipe, lovely 
lovely boys. Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. And sure enough, Bam Bam was just an absolute sweetest, easygoing boy. And, you know, when the girls would come in season, I was just uh, like, here we go. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. Because I, Moose used to keep me up all night screaming and never again. Thankfully, I guess, Bam Bam was very, very sensible. Mind you, it was tough for him. I kind of, you know, you learn as you go, right? And what I have learned that the absolute best thing you can do, at least for me, especially when you have a whole bunch, is maybe have a spot where your intact males can go for a week or two, just for your, just for safety reasons and for their own comfort. I know that's not, not everybody can do that, but I've been very, very fortunate. And especially since I've moved back home, my parents live close. They don't have any intact dogs. So I often send my boys there uh, just, just to make things easy. Mind you, a few times I, they've been away. So the boys have had to stay here. And the best way that I've dealt with it is belly bands just for marking. When I had one boy, it wasn't a big deal. Two boys made the big difference. So uh, yeah, I've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, people have opinions about me using belly bands for marking. But I mean, what else are you going to do? Are you going to pretend that they don't lift their leg in the house? Or <laughs> are they just going to live in a crate forever? No, they, you know, so the belly bands are helpful, you know, when the girls are in season, they just, I have some gates up and then we all just sort of live. They have delicious things to chew, to distract themselves. The girls wear the panties. So the smell isn't so, you know, sexy. So I just try my best and I've been, you know, the boys are great. They, they're very understanding. I do my best to keep them busy and entertained and exercised and like I say I have a couple of different directions I can go depending on the situation I will say it is a lot of extra work do your girls cycle at the same time because mine no, not even <laughs> like oh my I'm not even joking one after another after nope. another and I and I'm just waiting for Nova, who is my puppy, he's 10 months old. And I'm just, I know that it's just right around the corner. As soon as she has, she starts, then the next one in, it's good. I'm hopeful now that we're here and settled. The last year has been a little bit crazy with moving. I'm hoping eventually they will all start cycling uh, together. Yeah, I have heats eight months of the year right now. Oh, yeah, that sounds like Terrible. me. Do your girls' behavior, like, does it change how they interact and function together when they're in heat? You know, I've heard people talk about this in, in having negative experiences, but I have the complete opposite. Like, I find my girls are more affectionate and more um, interested in playing with each other. Like, they're more flirty, and and it creates even more um, of a positive relationship within the girls. Uh, I've been very, very lucky. So no, they just love each other more. They're more playful. They want more cuddles. They, it's, it's actually not too bad when the girls are in season around here. You're very lucky. I had, I have my dog when I was a kid, my first dog came to me and she went into season the next week and I don't really remember it. She was a fluffy dog. She kept herself clean. Um, and since then I've had exactly one heat cycle in my house. <laughs> I do boy dogs. I love boy dogs. Yeah. And that one heat cycle resulted in extreme guarding and a pseudo pregnancy that went on until the imaginary puppies were well wow. and five weeks old, and it was a big deal. So I'll uh, I'll I'll be calling you for a boy dog. <laughs> but I'm very happy that you've had such good success um, and that your girls all get along so well when they're. Yeah, I've heard of people just saying their girls turn into like wicked witches when they're in season. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm like, wow. And, you know, pretty much all of them I've had at least for one heat cycle besides Rowan. And yeah, I, they just sweet as pie and extra lovey-dovey. And yeah. <laughs> Do you have a lot of mounting at all? 
Uh, not a lot. I would I would just call it a normal amount during <laughs> certain like a few days within their their sort of season, like standing heat, mm -hmm. um, which is when they're receptive. Then a little bit, but nobody seems to mind. They all. I don't know if they remember when they're in season, but they all just, they're like, oh, you like me. Oh, I like you. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly nothing that I would be concerned about or consider obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. I found the more females I've had have heat cycles together, but the younger ones see the older one go through it and it's become easier. Yeah. So I think the solution is more intact females together. <laughs> <laughs> I do think dogs really. Uh, watch and learn like I, I I think people would say that and I would feel like it was a little bit of anthropomorphism but I've seen it happen now from with my own eyes that dogs watch other dogs and pick up the pick it up from them mm -hmm. uh, over and over in in something as as an example like that like they see the other girls how they are when they're in season to routine to literal commands um uh, and i i swear and i'm not like i'm not like a dreamer about this i saw this happen with my own eyes i had um litter mates that i kept which is not ideal but the reason i kept one was one was the the cleft palate that i spoke about that i raised from uh myself and then i kept a puppy from that litter pickle who was my next show dog etc and uh, so Pickle was the one I was putting a lot of work into because I knew that we were going to be doing a lot of things together. And Nessie, I was just happy she was alive. Like, you're just cute. And <laughs> thank you for being here. And I had them at an agility trial just for fun, just to socialize them. And I take a lot of pictures of my dogs, a lot. And I thought I need a little picture of them. And Nessie was very small. And Pickle was a regular size puppy. And so I said, Pickle, lie down. So she would lie down and be about the same size as Nessie and Pickle laid down and I was getting my camera ready and I saw Nessie looking at me with her, her eye and she laid down and I oh. thought, well, that's weird. Good girl. You know, that was what, how funny that, and I tried it again, like five minutes later and I said, lie down. I never taught Nessie how to lie down, but she sees me doing this all the time with the rest of my crew. And she understood it enough that if she did that motion, she would get the cookie and happy mm -hmm. mommy. And so, yeah, that's a true story. It was amazing. I think people don't give dogs enough credit for social learning. Mm -hmm. I've so seen that with my crew, I'm one too. Of them. Yeah. And I never really thought of it. Like, yeah, they'll learn to follow each other through the dog door and stuff, right? Uh, I don't have to teach my dogs how to use a dog door. They just follow somebody. Right. Um, and... But I did the same thing. I was having, I was trying to teach my nine-year-old border collie. He's pretty intense and he doesn't like being upside down. Um, he's not one of those puppies that you would hold upside down and rub his belly. Like he's nine. I've rubbed his belly twice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to teach him roll over. And we're working and working and working and working. And we're not getting very far because that's not a, not a behavior he wants to do. And I put him back. For the end of his turn, he had lots of cookies for trying. I bring my young border collie out and I say, lay down. And I just start and she goes and rolls over. She's like, I know what you want. I got this. And I was like, maybe it's females. <laughs> She's kind of sucking me in. But um, the social learning is so cool when you can see it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 something special and and i think like say like you said we don't give them enough credit for it because i think it happens a lot more than even we realize mm -hmm. and when you do realize wow that's that's pretty special it's pretty cool yeah I, I actively use that when i'm teaching things like call front and recall i'll make sure that i have like my most like regular dog who's going to be the fastest and like smartest at it and i'll pair that dog with my new one and it's hardly any work now. So Ooh, that's a good idea. That's something I think I might start incorporating <laughs> with my like actively doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll pair them for hikes or like out training, and I'll make sure that that's the two that are together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the same too for when it comes to reactivity is you don't want to take your puppy out for a walk with your reactive dog if you have one because they will learn socially how to behave in the world. Mm. If I have a puppy, it's going for walks with all my stable dogs. Mm. I, necessarily, my next puppy might not go for a walk in scenarios where with a younger dog where they might have a reaction that I don't want them to emulate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Megan's really lucky with her place too. She gets to do all her hiking. <laughs> private fence land <laughs> yeah yeah it's and it's going to get even better too because we have 12 acres here um and it's i've got some exciting plans because we have a big shop i'm going to be turning it into a training facility and some other things and yeah big fields for walking and not just for us but for other people to be able to use um there's not a lot of that in Nova Scotia, which is interesting because it's huge in Alberta, the private off-leash dog parks. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're getting there. We're, we've just been here for a few months and getting settled. And, um, yeah, it's I'm excited. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Lucky dogs. I, we do this all for the dogs. It's true. But uh, I'm very, very happy and very, very lucky that I get to spend so much time with them. Well, Megan, I want to invite you back at a certain point because I have so many more questions. But, <laughs> but I think you shared a ton with us about just living peacefully with so many dogs and what makes that work. And starting from, you know, a dog that's really mentally stable and the long legacy that leaves, really. I, and I do believe that is the case. I'm, And I know that I'm fortunate not everybody can start out start off on that foot but uh, it's certainly something to be thoughtful of you know when you are in that situation and how you want to manage it so that each next dog sort of gets a, a step in the right direction as opposed to in a direction you don't want it to go mm -hmm. well it's been great chatting with you and meeting you today Thanks. And I'd love to come back. Like I say, it's my favorite topic. <laughs> I, I could talk about my dogs and my experiences forever. And I love hearing, you know, like-minded as well and hearing your guys' experiences and et cetera. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. And I'd love to come back another time. Thank you so much, Megan. Have a great day. You as well. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts.